This is Linux Reality, Episode 18, SUSE Linux 10.1, Part 3. Hello, everybody. I'm Chess Griffin. I'm the host of this podcast. Hope you all had a good week and you are enjoying experimenting with SUSE Linux 10.1. In the last two episodes, we did an initial install of SUSE Linux during the first week, and then last week we discussed how to fix some of the package management issues that are present in SUSE Linux 10.1. On that on that last issue, it's my understanding that the SUSE developers are in the process of fixing things with that built-in package manager. So hopefully things will start to resolve themselves. But I would suggest that you stick with the smart package manager for the time being because everybody seems to say it's working well, and if it's working well for you, then I would not suggest changing at this time. So, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it type thing. Uh, this week, I'm going to do some light discussion on, dis- on installing the ATI and NVIDIA graphics drivers, as, and, as well as go through an introduction of some experimental eye candy called XGL. First, though, here is some listener feedback. Message for you, sir. All right, here's a question from Luke. I've been looking at various versions of Ubuntu. I saw Ubuntu, Kubuntu, and Zubuntu. I poked around and found that the difference between these is the base, KDE, GNOME, and XFCE. I can't really tell the difference between these. What can you tell me are a few of the key pros and cons of each? Any suggestions on what you would recommend would be nice. Well, Luke, this is this gets to that uh, religious discussion that I talked about uh, not really religious, but in the sense that uh, some folks have very strong preferences when it comes to which desktop environment they use. And sometimes it gets into a real, you know, heated discussion. Uh, and I just want to stay away from that because, not because I avoid the, the, not because I want to avoid the discussion, but because I want people to try all three. Uh, I think it's really important to try all three of these desktop environments as well as other window managers someday. Uh, I, I think that's part of what is is what's attractive about Linux to me is the choice of desktop environments. So I think everyone should try all three of these. Now, having said that, I will give you some very basic thoughts, not pros or cons really, but just kind of some of the differences. As far as desktop environments go, I kind of break them into three categories. On on one extreme, you have pure pure window managers, and I think of these as like you know Fluxbox. And enlightenment, and uh, and some others, and, and those are really, they just draw windows for you. Um, Openbox is another one, or maybe even uh, you know, Window Maker perhaps. But those are really minimalistic uh, window managers, and they don't provide any extra tools or any extra GUI apps or anything like that. It's typically all manual configuration, and all that they do is provide a way to draw the windows. In the middle are sort of light desktop environments. And in this category, I would put uh, XFCE and maybe Ice, Ice, uh, Ice, window, make, uh, Ice window Manager. These are sort of, um, they, they provide a little bit more functionality than just a window manager does, but they don't provide a ton of, a ton of GUI tools. They provide some, perhaps, but not everything under the sun. Compare that with the last group, on the other end of the spectrum, and that's your full-fledged desktop environment, and that would be primarily KDE and GNOME. Those two desktop environments, 
uh, do a lot, and they provide a lot of extra tools, a lot of extra, you know, um, utilities and applications and accessories and ways to configure the the time and then maybe the network and you know in KDE you have the KDE control center and you know they provide a lot of things to go along with with the ability to draw windows so it's a full-fledged desktop environment kind of like Windows or Mac OS 10 so that's one thing I would say about about these different window uh, window managers and desktop uh, environments the other thing is that as between KDE and GNOME um, I think it's safe to say that KDE probably provides more customization. Uh, there's more, I mean, you can really get very fine-grained in how you can configure the desktop. And and so that would be a pro for some. Some people find that too confusing and there's too much. You know, it's too, it's too complex. In GNOME, I would say that it's probably a little bit more, uh, uh, not understated, but slightly less configurability and some people would say that's a that's a disadvantage that is not as full featured as KDE other people find that more simple or you know less is more type of approach is, is more appealing so that's very roughly you know some thoughts there again i would consider i really think that you ought to try them all and they are constantly improving i mean i think the current versions of KDE and GNOME are both the best yet and they're both great in their own way, and they've both got their, you know, there's things I like about them and things I don't like about them, but it's up to you to find that out for yourself. So I would, that's kind of my thoughts in a nutshell on that particular issue. Uh, okay, so here's an email from Terry. And Terry writes, I am from Can, uh, Kamloops, BC, in Western Canada, and wanted to drop a line to say thank you. As a new Linux user, I have found your tips and information very informative and helpful. I look forward to each and each new podcast with anticipation. So far, I've tried every major distro out there and a few minors such as Puppy Linux. We run a nonprofit and are donated older Pentium 2 and Pentium 3s, and Puppy has become a great replacement OS over Windows 98 with no worries about licenses. I am running PC Linux OS and have just loaded up Dapper Drake to take for a spin. I must say it looks great, and after loading automatics and configuring the distro, it is quite nice. One thing I would request in a future episode would be to teach us newbies how to run multiple distros on OneDrive using Grub or Lilo. I also would like to have three or four that I could boot into on one box. Also, one frustration I run to is all the command line stuff. Is there a site that can walk beginners through the basics? Thanks again for the wonderful show. Please keep them coming. Uh, well, Terry, let's see. Um, about uh, the uh, running multiple distros on one hard drive, yes, you can definitely do that. I do that on all of my uh, boxes and it is uh, a matter of configuring Grub or Lilo depending on which bootloader you're using and really what it comes down to is editing the text file that constitutes the menu of Grub or Lilo and adding additional stanzas for your additional uh, uh, operating systems on other partitions. Now there's obviously things you need to put into each stanza telling it where the kernel is and where the where the boot uh, partition is and, and the root partition, things like that. But, but yes, that's that's something I think we should get to at some point. So I will definitely I will definitely do that. So thank you very much, Terry. And as to the command line stuff, I would recommend you go back and listen to episode 14, 
I went into that a little bit, and I've also provided some some links in the show notes to some places, to various websites about this. One place I would recommend is linuxcommand.org. They've got a a great little walkthrough, a great little tutorial on there uh, that you can can go through, and it really teaches you some good basics about the command line. So that's a really great website. So that's linuxcommand.org. And last email here is a is one with a question from Chase. And he said, just wanted to stop by and offer congratulations on your continued success and ask you a distro question while I have your attention. I have a pretty old laptop, Dell Latitude CPI, that my children play on. It has a 266 processor. I wanted to use a distro that could run on those limited resources and still play the Linux games they like. So far, hardware detection has been shoddy at best. If you have any suggestions, please let me know. Well, Chase, let's see. Uh, well, in Terry's email, he mentioned Puppy Linux. I've never tried Puppy Linux, but I've heard good things about it running on older hardware. Uh, there is uh, Ham Small Linux that runs pretty well. Another one you might want to try is Vector, perhaps. Um, any of the um, any of the really small minimalistic distributions, I would say Ham Small Linux. You know, that's that's a really good one for that type of uh, that type of hardware. So I would check that out and, and Puppy Linux as well. Uh, so, and Feather Linux might be another one you might want to look at. So, those hopefully those will at least get you started in the right direction. And then, lastly, I just want to mention I received a long audio comment from uh, from DJ, and uh, that I'd like to try to edit down and include in a future episode. Uh, thanks, DJ, for sending that along. I, I really do appreciate all the email and audio comments, and and yours was yours was good. I just I just need to trim that down a little bit. So, but please keep all the feedback coming. So, thanks, you guys. Uh, All right, with that, let's get to SUSE Linux 10.1, Part 3. Okay, the first thing I want to mention off the top is that, uh, you know, in the last episode I mentioned that great documentation that comes with the SUSE retail box. Well, someone pointed out to me, and I I knew this, and I just didn't didn't think to mention it, but that documentation is also available on the website. And they're PDF documents, in fact. So I will put a link to that in the show notes, and those are it's just really great documentation. It's it's top notch. Uh, so I will I will do that. Just wanted to point point that out to you. Um, okay, the the first little mini topic I want to talk about in this episode was installing the proprietary video drivers. If you've got an ATI or NVIDIA card in SUSE Linux 10.1, now it's my recollection that SUSE used to include these uh, in the proprietary section of their website or or on the CDs if you got the proprietary CDs and that sort of thing. But I believe, I might be wrong about this, but I believe that they are not including those anymore. They're making it pretty easy to install, but they are not including binary packages of the ATI and NVIDIA drivers. Uh, If you have other cards, you know, especially if you have an Intel uh, integrated graphics card, one of the, you know, 845s, 850s, 915s, 945s, one of those, I believe most of those drivers have, have pretty much been open sourced and are included in X. So you, the, you know, you may be able to have 3D acceleration right out of the box if you have one of those. I know I've got a laptop with a, with a, I think it's an 845 or something, and it uses the uh, i810 uh, module and driver in X, and uh, it works very well. I mean, the, you know, the acceleration is not great, but but it does work and it works right out of the box for the most part. Uh, but for NVIDIA and ATI drivers, there are some steps you need to go through. Now, the very first thing you need to do is you need to go into YAST and install off the CDs or go through SMART and, and install off the Internet three packages. 
at a minimum. You need to install GCC, uh, that's the uh, C compiler, make, and the kernel source. So that's GCC, make, and kernel-source. Those three packages have to be installed before you do anything else. The other thing is, is that you've got to install and configure your video drivers before going with XGL. So we'll get to XGL next, but uh, those, uh, those video drivers do have to be configured first. Now, SUSE has provided some how-tos on how to install the ATI and NVIDIA drivers, and I'm not going to just read them or anything like that, I'll, but I'll provide links to both of those. I do not have any ATI cards, and I, well, I did a long time ago, but I haven't in a long time, so I am not, I can't really speak to that, but the uh, NVIDIA driver is really pretty easy to install. Basically, the way it works is you download a little a little script from uh, from the NVIDIA website, uh, and it will ask you to you know authorize or agree to a license, and then it will look to see if it has a, a, a kernel module and driver driver for your particular kernel, and if not, it will build it for you. And that's why you need to install the the these packages like GCC, Make, and Kernel Source. It basically needs to build the driver for you. But it works really well, and uh, it, it does it all for you. And then I believe what it will also ask you now is, is whether or not you want it to configure your xorg.conf file. xorg.conf, that's C-O-N-F, that is a text configuration file that's in the Etsy directory. Sorry, it's in the Etsy slash X11 directory. And that is your configuration for the Xorg server. The Xorg server is the, or the X server is, is what runs your display, your graphical display that lets you then run GNOME or KDE or what have you. And there's really only one major, well, there's a couple changes to the Xorg file. The primary one is in the video device section. Uh, it need the, the driver needs to be changed from whatever your computers using right off the bat and it's probably if you've got an NVIDIA card it's probably the NV driver which is a 2D NVIDIA driver that needs to be changed to NVIDIA and then you've also got to make sure that DRI and GLX are enabled but it's it's my recollection that the NVIDIA script will now do that for you but in any event the exact instructions will be in the show notes for SUSE Linux 10.1. So uh, you need to make sure that you have your video drivers enabled and then you can start playing with XGL. Now XGL, and I'll make a few comments here and kind of walk through sort of a quick installation, but let me just tell you what it is. It's sort of a, I think this is right, it's a it's a replacement or it's a, or it's a newfangled X, X server, if you will. And I think, I think it replaces XORG, but I may not have that technical wording exactly right, but basically what it does is it provides some additional functionality uh, in the X server for some really cool eye candy. And let me give you a little description of what it can do. When you grab a window, like in the title bar, you know, you click and you drag it, let's say, and you move it around, the whole window like wobbles. (laughs) Uh, You can make the window edges uh, sticky when they move, so they kind of cling to other windows or to the edges of the screen. You can make the windows uh, translucent, transparent, and uh, you can change that translucency or opacity sort of in real time. Um, you can make windows fade when they're closed. Uh, you can, you can. What, one thing that's kind of neat is you can really zoom in or zoom out 
Um, and that's not just making the text bigger. That's actually zooming in on the screen. Uh, you can um, also, there is a, a, you know, you have your virtual desktops in Linux. Well, you can, you can imagine them on the sides of a cube, and you can turn the cube to go from desktop to desktop. And you know, there's a way you do it, and just the whole screen just rotates. Uh, you may have seen videos of this, or you may have seen how Mac OS X does something very similar for, for when, it, when you switch users. It's the same idea. But you're not switching users here. You're just switching virtual desktops. And then there's some crazy stuff, like there's some, some sort of raindrop effects that you, can, that you can do that kind of go across the screen and stuff like that. It, it's, you know, this XGL is very experimental, very, you know, and it's very rough. It's really alpha code. It's, it, it's, it can be unstable. Um, you know, I just kind of say, you know, use it to your own risk. It's, I actually found it to be not all that great. A few of the effects were helpful. I actually think the virtual desktop spinning cube is kind of helpful. That you know, and I think maybe the uh, you know the sticky windows and the translucency. I'm not so sure about the wobbling, but uh, anyway. So, but if you want to play with it and try it out, you can, and it works very well in SUSE Linux 10.1. Uh, now, once you get your kernel drivers installed and working, there it, there's four packages you need to install for XGL. You need to, and you can do this again off the SUSE 10.1 disks if you want to go to YAST and do it that way, or you can download them through the Smart Package Manager. But the four packages are XGL, uh, Compiz, that's spelled C O M P I Z, LibSVG, and LibSVG Cairo. Now, those last two packages you may recall were some of the packages we installed for the Smart Package Manager. So if you installed the Smart Package Manager, you should already have those in installed, in which case all you would need to get is XGL and Compiz. Um, okay, once you do that, uh, then you will need to uh, do some manual text editing. So what you'll need to do is open up a terminal, you know, the console, and switch to your root user. So you would type in SU and then, you know, enter, and then type in your root password. And then you'll want to edit the Etsy slash sysconfig slash display manager file. So you could just type uh, nano, N-A-N-O, space, slash Etsy slash sysconfig slash display manager, and then hit enter. And uh, nano is a very simple text editor. It's great for quick editing. And it gives you, it tells you at the very bottom what your commands are. And it's got a little carrot, you know, the carrot is the little uh, character in, on the U.S. keyboard is a shift six. It's a little uh, triangle that faces up. That's called a carrot, C-A-R-A-T. And uh, that stands for control. So the commands you see at the bottom, like uh, uh, carrot X is for is con means control X. That's how you exit. And you just basically use the arrow keys to go around, and you can type and backspace to delete or hit the delete key and and stuff like that. So um, what you'll when you're done editing a file, you'll want to hit Control O, and that means to write out, means to save, and you'll save it, and then hit Control X, and that will exit out. So if you do as root user, if you do nano slash etsy slash sysconfig slash display manager, that particular file should now be open in the nano editor. And what you want to do 
is scroll down to line 126, and you'll see an entry that looks like this. Display manager underscore X server equals, quote, XORG, close quote. That's what that line will read. And what you want to do is you want to comment out that line, which, which means you want to put a, 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 um, a pound sign at the very beginning of the line. And on the U.S. keyboard, the pound is uh, shift F3. It's like the number sign. It's pound. And so you'll want to put that pound in front of that line and then go to the line on the empty space underneath it and type in the exact same first part. You want to type in display manager underscore X server equals quote. And then instead of XORG, you want to type XGL close quote. So, and I'm going to put a link to a how to on, on, on this, but, uh, You'll, basically what you're doing is you're saving the line because you're commenting out the lines. You're not going to just make the change. You want to save what was there originally so you can easily go back and, and undo what you're doing now. But you just want to comment it out so it doesn't use it and then just retype that line. And, uh, you know, the display manager underscore X server has to be in all caps. So you type that, you save and exit out. And then while you're still root, you'll, you know, stay in your root uh, terminal you'll want to type slash sbin slash SUSE config and that's capital S small u capital S E small C O N F I G that's sbin slash sbin slash SUSE config space uh, two dashes two hyphens module space XDM and that will run a little script that will save those changes uh, to the display manager file and settings and then there's some additional changes you might need to make to your um, xorg uh, conf dot, your xorg.conf file, especially if you've got an ATI driver. But it, basically, that's the only change you need to make to that display manager file. So then what you'll want to do is exit out of your um, uh, graphical session, whether it's KDE or GNOME or what have you. Go back to your you know display to your login display manager. KDM or GDM and hit Control Alt Delete. Excuse me, Control <laughs> Control Alt Delete, Control Alt Backspace. And what that does is it restarts the X server. And when you restart the X server, XGL should now be enabled. And you can log back in and you can start playing around with X with XGL. Um, a couple points. What you want to do to to set some of this to change some of the settings is you'll want to run the GNOME Control Center. So if you were to type up, open up a console, if you're in KDE, you would just open up a console and type gnome-control-center, and that will sh that will run the gnome control center for you. And if you're in gnome, of course, you should be able to get to that by going to the one of the gnome menu entries. I don't have that in front of me, but uh, uh, that should be easy to find. And uh, that but that basically will 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 get you started. Now there's a a little. Uh, trick you got to do if you want XGL to start, you know, on boot when you're if you're using KDE, and that will be in in the um, websites that I'll link to here in this episode. So that will I'll explain that. And there's also a couple other how-tos on on the OpenSUSE site and the Novell site about XGL and about XGL with KDE. So I'll put some some good links to that. So um, that 
basically in a nutshell is it and then you can just kind of play around with it and it's it's like i said it's pretty cool it's um it's definitely interesting and it's it's neat to see where things are going and it's definitely something that you don't see in windows or mac os 10 so it's it's something that linux has that those other operating systems don't you can kind of show off show off linux a little bit but you know practically speaking i'm not sure if it's if it's all there just yet although i did find some of it pretty pretty useful so all right. Well, I think that's it for this week, and uh, so let's wrap it up. Thanks again for listening, everybody, and for sending me that feedback. It's just awesome. I, I, it's really greatly appreciated. Uh, by the way, someone in the forums asked about this music here that I play at the end of each show and where to get it, and I think someone answered that for them. But uh, just in case anyone else was wondering, it's a song called Sand Away, and it's by a band called The Exotics. If you go to the FAQ page on the uh, main Linux Reality website and you scroll all the way down to the very last question, the answer gives you a link to the band's homepage where you can download uh, an MP3 version of the song and if you like it, you know, I encourage you to check out their website and consider buying uh, one of their CDs. They were really kind to give me permission to play the song here on the podcast, so I do encourage you to check them out. They're, they're pretty cool. Uh, let's see. Next week, I think what we're going to do is, is check out Ubuntu 6.06 Dapper Drake, uh, the live CD. There's been a few issues with it, and I've had a few issues with it that I'll talk about, but I really want to talk about the GNOME desktop, I guess. We've been focusing on KDE with these first two distros, and I want to take a look at GNOME, so I think that's what we'll do. Uh, I think, you know, folks might find that helpful. And so, with that, this has been Episode 18 of Linux Reality. Hope you all have a great week, and I'll see you next time. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.